Uh, for those who have come for the first time to Capitol, uh, the first Sunday of every month, I try to share out of the book of James. We started this at the beginning of the Chinese New Year, and uh, we're going through it. Uh, we're today uh, going to start in verse 27 of chapter 1, but we ended on verse 26 of chapter 1, and I'll just start where we left off. James says, you know, if a man claims to be religious but does not bridle, does not control his tongue, his religion is in vain. And what we discussed last week was the tongue is not really the problem. It's the tongue is not the problem. The problem is the heart. Because what the tongue is, it's a spoon, and it just takes everything that's in the heart and it just kind of slings it out. Your tongue slings out everything that's in your heart. And with our lips we bless, and with our lips we curse. And we don't understand how powerful words really are. You know, one of the things I've done this last several years is break, Jesus has broken generational curses on people. Do you know if you tell your daughter or son, you are clumsy? Do you know what? That's speaking a curse on them. You're clumsy. You'll never understand You'll never be on time. That's a curse. That's a curse. It's a spiritual curse. And it can follow them the rest of their lives. And it's unknowingly. We don't think anything about it. But with our lips we bless. And with our lips we curse. And he says this man's religion is worthless. If his tongue is not controlled. And here again the key. We won't go back into it again. It's the heart is the issue. It's that heart that needs to be broken over the rock, over Jesus, that he can heal us and he can bring his very life into us as we abide in him and he abides in us. Okay, the next verse, 27, that we're going to open today is, but he says, now what pure religion is, what pure religion is and undefiled before God is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. If you want to be pure in your religion, visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. Now it's very interesting. Widows in the New Testament, Paul talks about widows, and the widows that they're talking about are the ones that are the most vulnerable because Paul says if a widow has family, in other words, if they have children, if they have cousins, if they have sisters, it's the family's responsibility to take care of widows. But he says the church's responsibility is to take care of those who are widows indeed. So maybe a young mother with several children living in a foreign land away from her home and her husband's killed. No support. No family. That is a widow indeed. She's vulnerable, especially in those times there was no work for women. Totally exposed with her children. No place to go. And an orphan. I wish Carl Schumacher was still here with us because he was adopted out of a German orphanage by an American family and grew up and father used him here for years. But how would you like to wake up as a child in an orphanage? Not a mother, not a father. Maybe somebody caring for you, maybe somebody protecting you for being bullied, maybe. Not particularly caring what you eat, this is what we got, this is what we serve. 
So what is the affliction of widows and orphans? Their affliction is their situation. <laughs> they, are, they are out there, they're vulnerable. Eric last week, or two weeks ago, gave us a great message on trust. He's laying in a hospital room in Russia, no clothes on, can't speak the language, doesn't know what's happening to him for 12 or 14 hours, just laying there. He said, you don't know what Jesus, Jesus is all you have until he's all you got. No support. Couldn't communicate with anybody. That's what a widow and orphan is. They, there's just nothing going for them. And James says, pure religion is to go touch them. Because you see, most of the things, or many things we do in our work, we get a little something back from it. But you know, an orphan can't pay you back. A widow can't pay you back. It's just giving. It's just giving. So really, in this text, in this context, we can expand, we can expand the crowd here. It's not just widows and orphans, it's all who are vulnerable. And you usually hear me pray on Sunday morning for those in prison, for the sick, the sorrowful, the widows, the orphans, the blind, the homeless, the crippled, the refugees, those without home, without food, without clothing, without shelter. Those, brothers and sisters, are the vulnerable of the world. That's our opportunity. Jesus himself said, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. And then the righteous will say to him, well, we never saw you hungry. We never saw you thirsty. We never saw you a stranger. We never saw you naked and closed. We never saw you sick. We never saw you in prison. Jesus says, what you have done to the least, least of these my brothers, you have done to me. You came to me when I was sick. You came to me when I was in prison. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You sheltered me. You clothed me. Now that, brothers and sisters, is pure religion undefiled. But let's click that over. What if we don't do those things? If we have not done those things, we have not done those things to Jesus. And brothers and sisters, you know, you think about, what's a wonderful way to love Jesus? A wonderful way to love Jesus. And, and, and Robin alluded to it this morning. Look into the face of an orphan. There's foster homes here. There's Robins and two others in this church, represented in this church. Just go over and hold those babies. Give those IEs a break. Just pray over them. Tell them you love them. There's beggars on the street. You know, when I, went to, when I first moved to Moscow in 92, I'd see a beggar, and I'd get on the other side of the street. And then I was walking down the street one day, and Father said, you're a beggar too. Oh. So I went up, and if it was a worthy beggar, I'd give to him. But if I was walking down the street and I saw a beggar that didn't seem worthy, I mean, you know, he had a lot of alcohol on his breath and whatever, I said, no, I'll give my money to a worthy beggar, somebody who obviously tried and just didn't make it. And then one day I was walking down the street and I saw a, an unworthy beggar, but I couldn't get to the other side of the street. So as I walked up to him, Father said to me, you know what, Rick, you are an unworthy beggar. Oh, I forgot. So I started giving the unworthy beggars. I didn't classify them anymore. 
And then I was walking down the street, and I'd see a beggar, and I'd check my pocket, and as long as I had something smaller than a hundred renminbi, I'd give it to him. But if I didn't have anything smaller, I'd go to the other side. Then Father said to me, Rick, I am extravagant. If you gave a hundred renminbi to every beggar you ever met, what would it amount to? So now I see a beggar on the street. I don't avoid him. If he's unworthy, I don't avoid him. And if I don't have the right money, if I don't have the right ten kwai, if I don't have anything less than 100, he gets 100. And it's a good thing. But we, every day, have opportunities to be Christ to the world, to be Christ to our brothers and sisters. And it is a great privilege to be a Christian in one whom Christ dwells. Okay, the next verse is 2-1. James chapter 2, verse 1. And he starts off by saying, Do not hold partiality. Do not be partial in respect to people. What is being partial? That means giving some particular person some favoritism or a circumstance favoritism. He says, hold not, be not partial, have not partiality in respect of persons. He says, if one comes into your church wearing gold rings and fine clothes and another man comes in wearing shabby clothes, and you go up to the man who's wearing the, the fine clothes and say, Sir, sir, come here, sit here. Yes, yes, sit here. And you say to the man wearing shabby clothes, Stand there or sit at my feet. He says, Haven't you made distinctions? Haven't you made distinctions and been judges with evil thoughts? Haven't you made distinctions and been judges with evil thoughts? And then he goes on to say, did you not forget, don't you remember, that God chooses the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom of God, who, the kingdom that God gives to those who love him? But he said, you have dishonored the poor. Okay, do we ever show favoritism? Has it ever happened? Has a man ever walked up with a gold ring and fine clothes and you pay more attention to them than than a poor man? You know, I think the point here is, I really liked it, John the Baptist said it, of Jesus. He says, nothing. Man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. You know, some of you were born in a fluent country, were born in an affluent country in Europe, in North America. You had opportunity, you had education. There's some people who are born in Bangladesh. 30 years ago. Are we, are you any better than the person born in Bangladesh? Did you have any choice over where God put you? God put each of us exactly where he wanted to put us. And would we look down on another person because God put another person in a place that's not as advantageous as we are? We say, oh yeah, but you know, these people, uh, these people, you know, they haven't taken advantage of the educational opportunities they've been given them. Well, you know, this guy doesn't even know what a father is because there have been five men living in his house the whole time he's growing up at different times. We have no idea what people go through who are really in trouble. And we have despised, we despise the poor if we make any kind of judgments about a person or his personality based on his physical condition, or the kind of house he lives in, or the kind of car he drives. Because you and I have 
no idea what this person has gone through, what this person's experienced, what his upbringing was, what his father did to him, what his mother did to him. We have no idea. So he says, do not show partiality in respect of persons. And then he says, you know, did you forget that it's the, it's the rich who, who oppress you? It's the rich who, who drag you into court? It's the rich who blaspheme that worthy name, that name of Jesus by which you are called? But he said, you know, you, if you really want to fulfill the perfect law of liberty, the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. This fulfills the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do to others as we would have others do to you. Now it's very interesting that the poor seem to be, they're vulnerable. They're like the orphans and the widows. But you know what? The poor, because they're broken and they're vulnerable, they also seem to be more open to the gospel. Jesus says it's more difficult for a rich man who's rich in his his friendships, who's rich in his money, who's rich in his associations, who's rich in his education, who has all these things he can depend on and abide in, who doesn't need Jesus. He says it's harder for a rich man like that to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. But it's the poor of this world who are vulnerable and are most open to the gospel. Physically, spiritually, the poor, the vulnerable, the needy. And Jesus reached out to them. You know, Jesus didn't live so good. There were people in Rome living pretty good. Jesus didn't have a toilet. He didn't have running water. In fact, it says, and they all went to their homes, and Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He was sleeping outside a lot. But he was rich. And you know, I have friends that go to sub-Sierra Africa and in, in the squalor villages, and they, the first thing they say, the, the, the thing that impresses them most is how happy the people are. They don't have anything. But they're happy. They're running around, they're smiling. They're not worrying about it if their stock's going to go down. They're not worrying about, do they have enough in their 401k to retire? They just, it's not on their screen. They are living in the present. And they are most open to the gospel. They are most open to being loved. They're most open to being cared for. He says, if you show partiality, you sin. And if you sin, you become a transgressor of all the law. And then he goes on and says, you know, you may not kill, but if you commit adultery, you've transgressed the whole law. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I didn't kill, I didn't commit adultery, I haven't stolen anything since I was stole from Sears Roebuck when I was in the ninth grade some tools. No, I was actually about the ninth grade. That's an interesting story. When I was 30 years old, father convicted me of it, and I took my tools to the manager of the Sears Roebuck store there and told him how I had stolen those from him when I was 13 years old. Ask his forgiveness. It wasn't the same store, it wasn't the same man, but it's the point. But we've all come been transgressors of the law. If you and I have just at one time judged another man, just one time looked down on someone and showed partiality, we're guilty of the whole law. And you know what happens when a person's guilty of the whole law? <laughs> they are in danger of the judgment. In fact, they will be judged. And God doesn't judge on a curve. It's 
If you and I ever sinned even one sin, that's enough to transgress the law and be a breaker of the whole law. So that's not very good news for anybody who has ever sinned. But we've got some very good news, and we shared it this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I'll tell you what it cost him. Jesus looked at the Father and said, You know, Father, I know you can do all things. All things with you are possible. Please let this cup pass from me. And the Son, Father looked at the Son, and the Father looked into eternity future and looked at each one of us. He looked back at the Son and said, No. God said no to me or said no to you, that'd be enough. Son goes back a second time. Father, let this cup, please let this cup pass from me. Father looks at the Son, looks into eternity future, sees your face, sees my face, sees these visitors' faces, looks back at the Son and says no. Twice from God would be enough. The Son comes back a third time, and now he's begging. Please, 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 Father, let it go. Father said no. That's how much he loved us. And if you're here this first time this morning, or you've been here a few times, and you have never received all the forgiveness, complete forgiveness, through the atonement of Christ, Father wants you to receive it this morning. There's nothing you could have ever done that can disqualify you from this gift. And there's nothing that you've ever done that can qualify you for it because it's a gift. It has nothing to do with you or me. It's something that happened within the Trinity. Father took, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become his very righteousness. Christ, though he was rich, became poor, so out of his poverty we could become rich. We've been talking about poor and vulnerable people today. When Christ was on the cross, he was very poor, he was very vulnerable but he was king of kings and lord of lords. And you know what's very interesting? When we see him in heaven, he doesn't even display himself as a man. He, he is a lamb, a broken lamb. That's how he chooses to show himself. He is meek and lowly of spirit. He says, come to me, all you who are tired and heavily laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is our Passover. This is our Passover, Christ, our Passover. So if any one of you have never asked Christ into your life, I'd like to just share a little prayer with you, and then we're going to continue the service this morning. Father, I thank you that you loved me so much that you sent your Son to take my place. I thank you, Father, that even though I'm completely unworthy, it doesn't matter. You chose to love me. And you chose to offer me this gift. And I, in faith, take and accept your gift, your gift of his sacrifice upon my part. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and fill me with your life. And ask Holy Spirit to empower me to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.